0: Okay, um, so my name is Dusty. In case you just walked in, uh, fighting the snow, or you're watching online and you didn't hear uh, Clayton be able to introduce, and I wanted to say that partly just you wouldn't be alarmed um, that you know you could have you could have seen that and been like, "Whoa, man, that that chemo! Um, um, it's like it's added ten years to him. Um, probably lost twenty pounds of muscle mass, um, doubled or tripled." body fat percentage, and I just want to encourage you, man, he's, he still looks exactly the same. He's doing awesome. Uh, man, I do, I love this guy so much, I do, and um, Darby, I've known him um, for a long, long time, and I love this church so much. I was actually, I was able to poke my head in your first Sunday in this building, and, um, and whenever you dedicated this facility to, that I love this church. I've got a ton of friends here, um, I know uh, almost all of your elders I know decently well, and I've actually I was super bummed that the eleven thirty um, got axed uh, today because I had a, a bunch of there are a bunch of kids that go to this church like junior high high school age kids that I've coached in the past in baseball and so I've just got lots of friends here and it's a joy to be able to um, to talk uh, through the Bible a bit so um, I probably have a bit more uh, of an ambitious sermon than I should when you're the guest preacher because. Pretty much what we're gonna be doing today is the text we're gonna be in is the whole Bible, all right? So uh, the whole thing is what we're gonna cover. Now, in a way, I think that you're prepped for this because um, you guys just started in Acts, correct? And so in Acts 1, that um, one of the um, one of the key verses in Acts 1-8, it, it actually tells you the whole point of the book of Acts, and it talks about what the book of Acts is trying to explain, because um, that Luke is the one who wrote it, who's the same one that wrote um, the, the gospel account of, of Jesus's life in the gospel of Luke. And what Luke's trying to do in the book of Acts is tell us, okay, so how in the world then did a few scared Christians that were all huddled in a room, how do we get from there to churches all over the ancient world? Like, how did that happen? How did the gospel go from Jerusalem to, to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth, like how how is that happening? And the book of Acts is telling that story. So I think it's awesome that you guys are going to spend the next um, several weeks uh, just walking through Acts, and that's the story. And so, in a lot of ways, I'm going to be um, I'm going to be building on that idea today about talking about how um, how what God's plan, how it went from you know Jerusalem all the way all the way to Lubbock and beyond. How did that happen? And it's ambitious because we're going to look at the really the story of the whole Bible. But before we do that, I want to make a bit of a personal link with you. Uh, so that we're all on the same page on what we're even talking about. Because we're talking about salvation today is really the the conversation. And here's the argument I'm going to make, is that I think every single one of us has like a functional salvation story. And uh, whether you're, you know, you're watching this online, you're here in person and you're like, ah, you know, I'm I'm here. Is it 10? Let's stop and pray. Uh, Lord, this is when we pray for Clayton, pray for his healing, his health, his encouragement, for Darby, for their children, uh, for them all to hope deeply in you. And we are asking that you would um, extend life, that you would um, help him through his treatments, that you'd give him strength and encouragement. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for praying for my dude. I really appreciate it. Uh, so, uh, so we we're going to spend some time um, talking, even on the personal level, that all of us have a story, a, a salvation story, functionally speaking. And even if you're thinking, nah, I'm, I lost a bet, and um, I, you know I picked a different team for the NFC Championship, and I really thought the Lions had it, and you lost a bet, you had to come today, or you had to watch online. That, um, and you're like, no, I'm not really religious, so I don't really buy into all that salvation. See, I think you do. I think all of us do and i'll even add this even if you're like i I am a christian and i buy into this stuff and that we can even sometimes while we believe in some things about the cross and believe in the the bible story of salvation that functionally speaking, you can be looking into other salvation stories, maybe more on a practical level on your day-to-day. So I'm gonna walk through four points. Eventually we'll talk about where the Bible gives um, some content on each of these four points, but I just wanna walk through what we mean. Just so we're super clear, um, every salvation story has these four points to it. Creation, um, this is um, how things are supposed to be. Like whenever, this is almost like that that part when something really goes wrong in your life and you're like, man, this, isn't, this shouldn't be this way that that's really what you're pulling back to, is how were things supposed to be where there weren't no conflict, no grieving, no betrayal, um, where it was, this is how things were supposed to be in the beginning. Fall, not the time of year, but like what went wrong? That's what we mean by fall. Um, how did things unravel? Um, redemption is what'll make it right? What'll fix it? What's our, what's our explanation for what'll fix it? And then restoration is how is it finally fixed and how does it stay fixed forever? So creation uh, what, what should it have been like and how was it at the beginning? Fall, what went wrong? Redemption, what'll fix it? Restoration, what it'll be like when it's finally and completely right? Now, I'm gonna make a case that we have in this room right now and everyone that's watching online, there's gonna be a multiple, uh, there's gonna be a variety of different salvation stories then, um, that, that we're gonna be leaning into. And I'll give you just a few quick examples before we look at what the Bible says on each of these four points. So, you know, for let's say a political one, and politics to me almost has like a, a religious element to it right now, like a religious caliber devotion and everything about it. And even, you know, trying to convert people. And um, even though I'm not sure how many people are getting converted with our Facebook articles and all this stuff, but anyhow, it's a different conversation. Clayton can work through this next Sunday and clean up on this. Uh, but, uh, but creation would be, um, hey, you know, that, uh, you know, my, my political ideology back in the day, you know, people saw this a certain way and they saw it like I did, but things have gotten way messed up and that'd be introduced the fall, where now... There's lots of people um, on the other team that are so wrong-headed about what our country needs, and are actually running this country and um, everything else. And there are even sellouts on my team that are not—they say they are, but they're not really. And um, and there's all sorts of uninformed electorate out there, and um, and that—that's what's wrong with our country. That's what's wrong with our world. Redemption. What'll fix things if we can either keep our party in power or get our party in power, and that will um, we get the the right platform, the right people, and we're going to make things right. Going to fix what what's wrong in this place, and then restoration is eventually. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna win the country over, and all the wrong-headed ideology will be out of here, and everybody will think the same way. It just happens to be my way, and uh, and then it'll be fine. Like we're gonna get, we'll get back on track once we we kind of get all those people out of here. Um, there, there's a religious story along this lines, uh, like other, it could be Christian, but could be Islam, could be Buddhism, could be Hinduism, could be any religion. Here's the basic layout of religion is creation is we're supposed to do what's right. That's, that's what, well, how it was at the beginning. People were doing what was right. What went wrong is that me and a lot of people don't do what's right. Redemption is that we're going to do some kind of religious act. Some kind of active of devotion. We're going to go to church. We're going to take communion. We're going to go on a pilgrimage. We're going to pray five times a day. I mean, you could just substitute in that blank um, how religions answer this, but there's some kind of religious activity that you do that kind of atones for, you know, some of the things you haven't done right, and that's what religion is always saying, is here's what's wrong, is you've messed up, and what'll fix it is do some something good, uh, do some religious activity, and that'll fix it. And then restoration is, um, is that eventually I'll do, only do what's right, and other people will do what's right, and, and it'll just stay that way. Uh, it'll probably be heaven, and so that's where the religious one probably has some kind of a heaven answer for that one. But the way you get there is through doing good things and doing some kind of religious activity. I mean, we could do this with a million things, like career and money. Um, you know how things are supposed to be is I should have plenty of money for all of my dreams to um, to take care of all of my fears. What's wrong is I don't have enough of it. Um, what'll fix it is if I get that promotion or if I get the right scratch off lottery ticket or if my kid goes D one and eventually pro and if I get on and on like I, I, then that's going to fix it. And then I'm going to get to a point when I, I'm not ever going to worry. I'm never going to do a job I don't want to do and I'm I'm not going to be around people I don't want to be around. I'm going to have control over my own life. And there's this storyline of really of salvation related to money and we could do it with health and fitness, um, if I could only lose 20 pounds, if I had better skin, um, and if I could reverse aging, and if I could, um, it could be those things. It could be children and sports um, and activities and academics and all of that. We probably should focus more on academics in the Thompson family, but we've done plenty of the sports side, and it it could be any one of these things that what will fix it is if um it could be an actual kid going through this if i can make varsity next year if i can if i can get to the next level in college and if i can go pro and if i can go whatever and there's always this like next thing and we could do it with so many different things could do it with sex and if only i could express myself in this way if only this and we could do it with anything so here's the the case i'm going to make is that regardless of like your religious affiliation You probably have something right now, or multiple somethings. I know I do, even though I very much do believe that Jesus is my only hope and the story that we're gonna talk about here in a minute. Deep down, I do believe this. But in the moment, I get super confused and I can get hyper focused on my kids and their sports. Um, There are times where things have gone bad. Like I remember last year, there was a, um, my kid didn't like necessarily a super committed basketball guy, but he was playing basketball and their team wasn't great last year and they're playing this team that was really good and they're still full court pressing up legitimately by 60 some odd odd points in the fourth quarter and they're still pressing. Legitimately, if I could have like went to paces with this coach on the other team, um, like an old Southern thing where you slap them in the face, you know, with a a glove and and go to paces, I I would have been tempted to do it. um, That sometimes my own, you know, my kids and their happiness and success in sports and their development there, uh, that we can just get so focused in the moment um, on these things. Here's the case I'm gonna make. All of us have these, and if you're not clear what yours would be, then I'm gonna give you a couple of things. One, think about what makes you mad. That'll be one. When do you get mad? Is it when your sense of control is threatened? Is it when something doesn't work out with your children? Is it when you've had a financial setback? It's when things are politics or whatever. That'll give you a clue. Here's another way to tell, is put something in this blank. If only blank would happen, if I had more of blank, then everything would be fine. Like, what would you put in that blank right now? More money? Um, if I had more, if I had more of blank, if I could start blank, then everything would be fine. That's going to give you a clue, probably, of functionally speaking, for salvation, what you're looking for in the moment, what you really think is going to fix what's wrong. It'll even give you an explanation of what you think is the most wrong thing in your life. Now, here's the case I'm going to make as we pivot into the Bible. The case I'm going to make is deep down, can we just all admit together that we have done this plenty of times? And um, all of these things actually have a very shallow explanation of what's wrong with us and what's wrong with the world. Like deep down, do we really think that, w- that um, whenever we look at, at even what's fixed it um, and, and like a very short-term redemption, and whenever we think of what's gone wrong politically, um, we've been, there are lots of election cycles. Has it been fixed yet? Completely, you know? And I think we can be like, no, no, it hadn't. Um, whenever you've thought, man, if only I could get a little bit more money. You've had promotions. You've gotten more money. And has it fixed what's wrong inside? And you, you have um, maybe your kids, they, they made that next team. They got on the travel team they wanted. And then they they made the JV. Were you like whole and complete then? They got on the varsity team. And then, uh, but there, there's just no end to it, right? There, there's no end to it. And, um, and so the case I'm going to make is that our alternate stories of salvation, the functional saviors that we tend to lean on, that they tend to have a very weak explanation of what's wrong in the world and what's wrong with us. It's usually real simplistic. um, It's political. It's like a religious activity. It's something really shallow. And the redemptive thing uh, tends not to last. Like the thing you're hoping will fix it only lasts for a little bit and actually doesn't fix anything at all. And the restoration is shallow as well. The case I'm going to make is that the things we tend to live for uh, tend to not fulfill very much. It's, uh, it's, it doesn't even square with our reality of how wrong the world can be sometimes. And, um, and also just is not as compelling of a story of what will fix it. And uh, like with real meaningful hope when, uh, when life is pretty messed up. So what I wanna pivot to now is to talk about the Bible story of salvation. I think it's a truer story that will match your experience. I think it's a, a better story about a more hopeful story about what will fix things. And we're going to walk through those same four points. Again, the text is the whole Bible. So we're going to start in Genesis 1. If you don't have a Bible in front of you, um, you can follow along on a device or it'll be um, behind me on the screen. So um, here we go. Creation. So this is the Bible story for salvation. And the Bible is creation, creation. Um, this is how things were supposed to be, remember, but just Genesis 1 at the very beginning in verse 31 says, and God saw everything that he had made and behold, he says, it's very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. So God made the world. And this is especially talking about humanity here when he made people and he made the world. It was very good. And it's so hard to imagine, but um, things, were, um, things were perfect then. I mean, it's hard for me to even imagine this world. Imagine a world with no marital conflict. Can you imagine that? Like where you always just saw things the same way. I mean, even in the very best marriages, um, we were rarely in sync like that. We're like, that's where I wanted to eat. You know what I mean? And it's like, no, you didn't want to eat there. We're, uh, how things work in our house is, is um, we'll say, where do we want to eat? And she's like, I don't know, whatever. And I'll start naming places and she'll be like, no, 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 no. You know, that kind of until we find one that, that she wanted to eat at. But she needs me to go through, go through those things until she can figure out what she wants to eat. But can you imagine a world where Adam and Eve, that they just knew where they wanted to go eat, you know, and that kind of thing. Although I guess in the end, they went to eat at the wrong place. We'll talk about that in a second with Fall. So, uh, but, but imagine no conflict. You, um, you know, Clayton talked about a moment ago, um, and on the video, I think it was there as well, that you know exist for justice. And imagine no injustice, like socially, where there was no, no group of people that were being treated unfairly, uh, no vulnerable peoples with no voice that imagine there not being any of that. Like, that's how it actually was in the beginning. No no cancer. Uh, there was no relational fallout, no conflict. That's what things were. So a lot of times when you're like, man, it shouldn't be like this. Like, you're actually onto something. You're you're pulling back into how, what it was, how it was intended to be at the beginning. Um, that's the Bible's explanation of, of what, what it was, creation, and it has an account for that. Now, here's the Bible's explanation for what's wrong in the world that I was calling fall earlier, the fall of humanity. And we see this initially in Genesis 3. Let me read a few verses here. Genesis 3, uh, starting in verse 22, says, "'Then the Lord God said, "'Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. "'Now, lest he reach out his hand,' and uh, take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and uh, at the east of the garden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every uh, way to guard the way to the tree of life. So there's exactly one thing they couldn't do, Adam and Eve, which is to eat from the tree, um, this this one tree of, of knowledge of good and evil and all of that. And that's exactly what they did and um, and they, they ate of this one tree, and because of that, all of a sudden they became aware, and they were their shame. they hid from God, and they became aware of, of a lot of things, and it wasn't a good kind of knowledge either, and um, they, all of a sudden, sin entered the world, and so this is the Bible's explanation of what is wrong with the world, is that, that that's what happened, and so when there's disease, and there are natural disasters, and um, now all of a sudden we can't agree on where we're going to eat the lunch today, and now we've got conflict with one another, and you've got business partners that begin to unravel and go their separate ways, and on and on and on. World, you know, countries that fight and abuse sexual assault. I mean, you could just go on abortion. We could go on and on and on, whatever you want to talk about. Like, what's wrong with the world? The Bible has a really robust explanation. In fact, what's wrong with you? Why are you so selfish um, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your business? Uh, Why do you want to keep your money for you? And why is it that you, uh, almost all of the hopes you have um, are more success, better things for you, a, a bigger, a better brand for you, you could even say. And the Bible has a really robust explanation for this. In fact, it carries on. We'll even look at the scripture in just a moment in uh, in Romans three that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That sin enters the world, and um, I've heard one theologian say it pretty practically: we are cracked in the head. All right, and over and over again, you can look at the whole Bible. The Bible is not an idealistic book; it's as robust as your experience with what's wrong in the in the world that um, when you look at the Bible, there are a lot of holy books that um, that the, like the enlightened ones that are there, like the big holy figures, it's almost like there's a cape flapping in the background and you know they're standing like this and they hardly ever do anything wrong and they, a lot of times they don't and they're always right. The Bible, like, it can be actually really unnerving. If you haven't read the Bible before and you're like, I'm gonna start in Genesis and you get uh, hardly like just a few chapters in and like the heroes like Abraham and Jacob and you're like, these guys are terrible, man, like flat out terrible. And uh, like, it, it's really bad. And the Bible, it just over and over again, even the heroes, except for Jesus, do dumb stuff over and over and over again. And the disciples have a really hard time, even though Jesus is actually walking in their presence, that they have a really hard time believing in him and trusting him. And so, um, yeah, the the Bible, um, the Bible is, is saying a lot of this and it's, it's getting into the heart of this. And while we do so many dumb things that, um, that this, the Bible has a really robust explanation that will match your experience. You're like, well, that was a terrible thing that happened. And the Bible says like, yeah, I know. Um, it's really bad out there. And it's really bad in here. It's really true. All right, the third thing, redemption. So far, this is like, dude, don't ever ask this guy, Clayton, to come here again, ever again. It's a good thing it was snowy. This is the most depressing sermon I've ever heard. Um, But the good news is, is that that is actually not where the Bible lands. It actually wouldn't be good news for the Bible just to say, hey, all of you people are cracked in the head. So, yeah, you know, that actually isn't good news. Again, the religious answer is, so go to church or go on a pilgrimage or pray five times a day. But the Bible solution is like, yeah, I don't know that like a more committed religious version of you is going to fix that, actually, Um, So here's the Bible's answer for this, and I'm gonna stay in Genesis to start at least. Genesis 12 is the first time you actually see a real promise of redemption in the Bible. I mean, you can make a case, there's some of that a little bit earlier in Genesis, but listen to this. Um, In terms of the kind of salvation that we know in Christ, it says, now the Lord said to Abram, Genesis 12, verses one through three, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I'll uh, make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. So that's talking about uh, eventually the, the people of Israel, that Abraham is the ancestor of all of the people of Israel that would fall. The The book of Genesis is really the, the story of how all that got going. But listen to verse three, this is interesting. It says, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, talking about Abraham, meaning in him, his descendants that would be in his body at this time, and in you, All the families of the earth shall be blessed. So this is the promise, is that in Abraham, right now it's just Abraham and Sarah. They don't even have any kids. They're old and and all that. Like for me, I mean, I'm 51. If right now, that if uh, Amy were to come to me and say, hey, so we're expecting, like I would cry. Like this would not be a moment of joy for me. I've got a couple of kids already. Um, And so um, at this point, um, they they had not had any kids. So they were like longing and hoping for, for children. And, uh, but what he says is, is that in you, I'm gonna bless all the families of the earth. Because what had happened since Genesis 3 is Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden uh, because of sin, but then a bunch of ethnicities, races, nations, they began to emerge all over the world, languages and all these people. And what this is saying is, hey, that's already here. The Tower of Babel's already happened, all right, um, in Genesis. And now it's saying, hey, the, all these families, like what's God's solution to this? And in you, Abraham, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you into a nation, so that's gonna happen. But that isn't like Israel being formed as a people. It's not like God's you know, forever uh, redemption plan, that in Abraham, he, the whole plan was actually that there's gonna be a beachhead of God's restoration with Israel, but the whole point from the very beginning is to go to all the families of the earth, all the people, all these ethnicities that now were all over the world, all these races, all these nations, and that would be the hope. So and if you continue on in the Old Testament, this is where I wish we had you know, weeks. You don't, but I do. I wish we could do weeks on this where we could talk about all the prophets that would say, hey, I know it looks like David, which is where the Messiah Jesus would come from, that that tree has been chopped down. But there's actually a shoot Coming up, like some new growth, it's not dead yet, and there's a hope that there will be a great descendant of David someday that will come, a great Messiah. Jesus Christ is a, who we know now that to be. I mean, over and over again, the the prophets begin to point to that of uh, of well, hey, you know, we're cracked in the head, and we keep doing the same stuff, and we keep worshiping these other gods, and we need to we need to trust in the true God of the Bible, and that day's coming. And, and but there begins to be more and more of the hope in the Old Testament through the prophets of like, yeah, there needs to be one uh, a new kind of king, kind of like David, except also not enough. And cracked in the head, you know? And so there needs to be a new kind. In fact, God, Emmanuel, you know, Isaiah, we talked about that. Uh, But let's fast forward into the New Testament. And um, this is a really interesting passage. And it's probably the passage that helped me understand um, the nature of of the um, the gospel itself. And by the way, on that Genesis 12, when you guys get to Acts three, you're actually gonna see that verse referenced as um, talking about Jesus, um, that that's exactly how the New Testament understood that. Uh, but look at this in Romans three. This is a really interesting passage. And I wish again, we could spend a lot of time on this, but I'm just gonna make a single point from it. Verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I referenced that earlier. Um, we're all cracked in the head. Again, the Bible has a very robust picture of what's wrong, but here's the redemption. Um, and are justified, that means made legally right with God, uh, by his grace as a gift, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So there it is. The redemption comes through Christ, his death and resurrection. He obeyed all of the law where Israel could not, where you could not. Um, Instead of just saying, go to church, uh, take communion, go on a pilgrimage, do something really um, legit, some kind of act of obedience. It's like, no, actually, God's gonna come to the earth, and he's going to obey the law, and he's actually going to redeem. Um, whom God put forward as a propitiation, that means a kind of a form of atonement, uh, not a religious act that you perform, but an act of death and sacrifice that God would perform on your behalf. This is incredible. Uh, to be received by faith, that's how you access it, is by believing in him. That's how that happens. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. So God had not judged sin as seriously as he should have. When you read the Old Testament and you see all the dumb things that Israel would do, even the very best of them, um, God should have judged all that more severely. And and, he, and so it creates a form of a crisis in a way of, okay, God, are you just though? If you're, are you, you going to, you're going to justify and you haven't punished sin as seriously as you could have. And here's verse 26 is the answer for why um, the cross is, is why it is that this is a totally different conversation than every religion that you can imagine, every other form of salvation. Verse 26, it was to show his righteousness at the present time. So that he might be just on the one hand, and the justifier of of the one who has faith in Jesus on the other. So let me just explain this briefly. This is why we have to have the cross. Um, why it is that um, we can't just say go to church, we can't just say go on a pilgrimage, we can't just say quit cussing, uh, we can't just say like here's a religious thing to do that'll make up for all the dumb things that you do and then it'll be fine. Is that that God's justice is on the line here. And this is why God could not, he actually could not just forgive sin because he could have. If you think of, you may have wondered that, going, why didn't God, why did he send Jesus down? That's like extreme. Why did Jesus come to the earth to die? Why couldn't he just from heaven be like, hey, I just, hereby uh, forgive you guys. So it's that you're all good, all right? Um, And a lot of us may think that, but here's the reality. He actually could not and remain just. That's what this is saying, is if God's gonna be just, if he's gonna be holy, which that's what God is, and if he's gonna show us grace, if he's gonna justify us, which makes us right with God, the only way where both of those things could be true is for the sinless one, God himself, to come to earth be born, live, obey all of the law, actually be righteous where me and you are not, and Israel was not. He's gonna succeed in the wilderness and not succumb to temptation like Israel did. Um, It talks about that in Luke 4. He's gonna do all of that and obey where we could not, where Israel could not. And then when he dies on the cross and he's resurrected from the dead, he remains just, yet he justifies me and you and we receive grace. This is the story of redemption in the Bible. And what this means is, is that this is the only hope for you, um, there is no plan B of like, yeah, but I'm gonna be nice and I'm gonna I'm, I handle my money well and we raise kids the right way and we choose the right schooling option and we, you know, and we, uh, we do whatever it is like you think, plus I'm in shape uh, or whatever it is that you think that you're gonna be fine for or um, we, we vote the right way. None of those things are gonna make you right with God. Your only hope, and here's the kicker the only hope for all the families of the earth all the peoples, all the nations, all the people everywhere, whether they've heard of Jesus or not, their only hope is going to be in Jesus's death and resurrection. That's it. That's the only way, because he's going to be just and holy. Like he can be nothing other than, but the only way people are going to be justified um, in him is by believing in Jesus. Look at this, even for where it is that, um, that this plays out for you. And by the way, this is such a big deal. Um, I love reflecting on God's grace on people. Um, I'm, I'm probably, in this room, the least likely Christian in this room. Broken family, um, alcoholics everywhere, divorces. When my stepdad died three years ago, the first thing I did um, was took his Nazi flag and Confederate flag off the, off the wall, all right? So, like, that's my background. Like, my family of origin Um, and I can't believe that God in His grace saved me. It's like unbelievable. Um, Maybe some of you feel that way. I'm always so intrigued when I meet with people that are going to our church and people I meet in the community to be like, how did you become a Christian? No, like, for real? Like, how did this happen? Like, and it's crazy. Like, yeah, I grew up in church and hated it. Felt like I never performed and was so ashamed and mad and thought it was all total bogus. And then, uh, and then God in His grace shows these things to me and um, I see that it was never my performance. And like, I'm always just so shocked. And every story is unique. You need to tell that story all the time. Um, I love that. Uh, but now look how, like, God does this with us, but then we're invited in to God's, like, global, like, redemption plan. Uh, this is sometimes called the Great Commission in Matthew 28, Nineteen and twenty, and you can see how God's going to use us to fulfill what He said to Abraham. He's going to use Jesus for sure, but we get to play. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So that's all the families of the earth, all the all the ethnicities. That word "nations" there is the word "ethne" in Greek, meaning all the ethnicities, all the peoples around the world. And go and make disciples, baptizing them, which is an implicit call to plant churches. Baptism is connected to the church. This is implicitly calling us to plant churches in West Texas in America, in India, and everywhere in between, all right? Plant churches. And um, so there's a call here uh, of teaching, um, and we're gonna go baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, uh, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So we're not just getting converts, but we're making disciples and people that would know Jesus and begin to follow Jesus. And we're gonna just teach them the ways of Jesus. And we're gonna follow Jesus together, essentially. And that's what we're called to do. And behold, um, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And so, look, here's the thing. I know this church, because I know Clayton, and I'm, I'm friends with a lot of your elders here, that very much this church wants to engage the city. I mean, it's really obvious. It was. I mean, It's come up in the first 10 minutes of the service. I also know they care about the ends of the earth, um, that part of, of um, Acts 1-8. Um, I know you guys care about all the peoples of the world, all the races of the world, knowing who Jesus is. I know you guys care about it. And um, I know you want to see people know Jesus. And here's the thing you should know, is that um, the vast majority of resources, and keep in mind, Redeemer Church and City Church care about Lubbock, correct? Can we all agree? Like, we, we have friends and neighbors, and maybe some of you are here today, or you're watching online through the invitation of a friend, which is beautiful. We care about this city a lot. And, um, and so, yes to that. We care about what, what is near. Um, We also want to see healthy churches planted in Mexico, in Canada, in London, and, um, you know, Hungary, or whatever, right? Like, we would care about those kind of places. But here's what you need to know, too. When you're talking about the gospel going to all the families of the earth and all the ethnicities of the world, there's well over a billion people, um, thousands of entire groups of people, like ethnic groups, that they have their own language, that they speak— that many of whom don't have the Bible in their language, most of whom will never meet a Christian. Like we have a lot of Redeemer goers right now. That's what we call them. You could call them missionaries if you want. We call them goers nowadays. I'm not sure, uh, Brandon, who made that change? Did we know how that that term, I don't, I don't know. But it happened somewhere along the way. We have lots of goers and that, that for a lot of them are in countries where every person they meet, they are the first Christian that that person has ever met. Like When our people, as they're learning language, begin to share the gospel to them in their language, it's the first time any of them have ever heard it. And you're like, well, I bet they've heard of Christianity. Okay, they've heard that it exists, but they don't know anything. They just assume it's like, well, yeah, they go to church and if they do all those things and they do enough good things and we'll kind of see how that plays out in the end and maybe they'll go to heaven and we're trying to do the same thing in our religion too. Yeah, I kind of understand that. Uh, but when they say, no, 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 it isn't your performance. It's, let me tell you what the Son of God, Jesus Christ did in your place. Like that's, that's what he did. Like people have never heard that. Every time they tell someone that, it's the first time they've heard that in their life. And there are billions of people and thousands of ethnic groups that are gonna live and die. There's no churches that they would know. They don't know a Christian. They've never heard the gospel at all. And so um, here's the thing. Um, I, I do have a dream for our churches, are two, and I actually mentioned this to Clayton earlier and he didn't, he didn't kill me over it. So I'm, I'm thinking that he kind of thinks the same thing is that i tell you what I would love. We're already partnering with a church in Dallas called The Village and a church in Austin called The Austin Stone. I would love it if in two or three years that Redeemer Church and City Church, we already have, we're friends. You can tell, I mean, you don't probably invite somebody to come preach that you don't trust. And I feel the same with Clayton and your leaders here that wouldn't it be incredible if in two or three years from now, our churches were sending goers to the nations to tell people about Jesus that have never heard, and even training together, sending together, maybe even teams that are blended together, serving together, and keeping them there. could you imagine what that would look like? I mean, that's a dream. Um, but I think that since it's not just like, we're not fighting for market share here in Lubbock uh, because we're brothers and sisters who love Jesus and um, we want to see Jesus known in our city and beyond, then I think we could partner um, because Jesus is real. And this is this story of redemption that goes way beyond any single church, correct? And so, but this is the big story and not only does it involve you, but we get to play on God being known among all peoples. Love this. Um, fourth, finally, so we've got, Creation, God made the world. It was beautiful. Fall, we're cracked in the head. Uh, Redemption, Jesus comes and restores all peoples, including all who believe in this room and who are watching online, to himself through the cross and the resurrection. Fourth and finally, restoration. And this is where things are finally made right. I promise you, we all need to think more about heaven than we do, because look what it's like. Look what it's like, Revelation 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God. I'm thinking that's a trout stream, but I don't know, we'll see. Um, I, can, I can hope. And of the lamb, uh, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life. We haven't heard about that since Genesis 3, all right, um, which is really interesting. Um, through the, um, so on either side of the river, the tree of life, and it's 12 kinds of fruit, listen to this, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. You know, all the battered and bruised and weary people around the world, including you, that have troubled marriages, that worry about their children, that don't know if they've got enough food to eat, they don't know if their money's gonna last, they're uncertain in the economy, they feel a million miles away from God, would God accept me? Have I done enough good things? We'll see in the end. I don't know. Um, that that finally, not just that, like at redemption, that's announced to us, but we don't walk in that full reality now, right? Uh, because I don't know if you've noticed this, even, even if you've taken Jesus up on the redemption component we just talked about, you're still cracked in the head. Have you noticed that? Um, And you still do dumb things and you still say things you wish you regret and you still handle money poorly and you still put too much hope in your children. I've already told, I do almost all those things, um, way too much. But here's the thing: there is coming a moment for all who've put their hope in Jesus, where um, figuratively that, that there's going to be these leaves there, and that there's going to be healing brought to you in a final sense. Now, I'm not talking about for the moment; I'm talking about forever, and also for all the nations of the world: people in Indonesia and India and Thailand and England and in Mexico and in and, and Lubbock and these ethnic groups that make up those countries, and all, all the people speaking Pashto and people speaking Hindi and all they're they're going to be made right, and God's going to finally and completely heal it forever. No longer will there be anything accursed, so imagine nothing ugly and gross and broken and wicked. No, nothing to shield your children from, nothing to shield you from. Can you even imagine a world like that? Nothing accursed, but the, the throne of God and of the lamb that's talking about Jesus will be in it and his servants will worship him. They shall see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. So no more darkness, no more sadness. Uh, there will be no more, need, no more light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. Um, So imagine, again, imagine a world in which there is no more cancer diagnosis. Imagine a world in which there's no more marital strife, um, separation and distance from lifelong friends where you've had a falling out. Uh, No more stress about, I don't know how we're gonna pull through this. Um, I don't know if my kid's gonna be okay. Whatever it is that you stress about, Um, even you you sense your decline physically and you're trying not to, I mean, on and on. Imagine a world where none of those things One author of a children's book I love says it this way. She says, this this world in the future of restoration, everything sad becomes untrue. Can you imagine that world? I mean, where it's all unwound and it's made right. I think we need to spend way more time thinking about heaven. Um, You know, Jonathan Edwards did a lot of thought on this before I give you a few things to consider. This is why the Bible's salvation story is like a million times better than the ones we talked about earlier, isn't it? That my political party getting in there, you know, I mean, vote, do your deal, all right? But I mean, this is like a thousand times better than that Um, or your children's sports or getting a lot of money or, you know, getting more swole or whatever, you know? Like, go go do all that. Go get in the weight room, that's fine. Get on the treadmill. But this is an incredible story, way more compelling, way more true. Um, But Edwards talked about heaven and he's like, imagine your most intense experiences you've ever had here. And you can even let your mind run. Heaven will be better on day one for all have put their hope in Jesus than that than your best experiences you've ever had. Like your biggest wins, it's gonna be way better than that. And that's on day one. And Edwards would make a case because God is infinite. We're not even gonna understand who all God is on day one uh, because he's infinite. And we're gonna continue experiencing him and understanding him for all of eternity in greater depth and intensity. And on day one, it's gonna be better than your best high here on this earth. And it's only going to intensify for all of eternity. Like, that's what's in store, all right? So this is the Bible story, and it's an incredible story, and it's a true story. It's compelling, and you get to play. So I've got three things to consider as we wrap up. Number one, three takeaways for us. Jesus is better is number one. Jesus is better. And um, so here's the thing. He's better than all of the competing salvation narratives, uh, sex, fitness, Cowboy Super Bowls, that's one for me, um, I'm not, I, I can't even go on the Chiefs things. Like I'm over Texas Tech, Tech winning the Super Bowl with Pat now. Like I, I need Cowboys Super Bowls and and yet I keep getting disappointed. And so here's the thing, with whatever it is our alternate stories are, Jesus is better and all of our salvation stories, every other religion, all of our temporary things that we do, all of them have been temporary. All of them are lacking even on the explanation of what's wrong with people and what's wrong with us is um, Jesus is better. And, um, and I think even us trusting God is actually gonna have an impact on the second point um, that we'll bring in here. Second point is that God has a worldwide mission and there's an invitation to join him, all right? So this is what he's doing. All the families of the earth, Genesis 12, repeated over and over again throughout the Old Testament. Jesus comes, we're even commissioned now to go make disciples of all the nations and even heaven is painted as all nations, all tribes, all people, and we get to play. And God has this worldwide mission and he wants you to believe in him if you have not and he wants to use you globally, even. That starts with your neighbors, uh, but I, I wanna make, um, I wanna make three, um, three asks of you in this. Number one is, would you consider being, uh, in addition to believing in Jesus, so I hope that starts uh, there, I'm assuming that, and if you haven't ever trusted Jesus, come talk to Clayton, come talk to Brandon, come talk to some of these pastors, Barry, and come talk with them about what it would mean to follow Jesus. Um, But assuming you've done that, one is share your story of grace about how God entered in and the gospel with your friends and with your kids' travel teams that you are a part of and um, with the people you work with and with your neighbors, Um, share the gospel. If you need equipping on that, I'm sure Barry and others would be happy to help you know how you could share your story on that. Number two um, is, um, would you consider sending people to the nations? I already threw out the gauntlet that I would love our churches to do this. I need you to know if you get serious about sending goers um, to the nations and serious about planting churches, it's expensive, it's painful, it's real similar to, do you guys do small groups here? And like you ever had small groups that you begin to reach your friends and then they grow and you're like, oh no, now we've got a. You know, we'll call it Multiply, or Redeemer. You guys probably have some positive language you talk about here. It feels like a split, and but here's the thing. It's the cost of sending and the cost of reaching, and we're gonna send people to plant churches, and I'm gonna tell you right now, your goers you're gonna send to the nations, people that you'll send to plant churches are gonna be like your best people, and it's gonna to hurt to send them. It's gonna be expensive financially, It's gonna require a church that's galvanized together financially on that. Um, It's costly, but worth it, and we get to play. What a pleasure that we get to be part of God's global purposes. Uh, The third thing is, I'd like just to throw this out there. I wonder if there might be some stirrings here of God calling some of you to actually go. In addition to sharing your faith with your friends, I'm assuming that, um, that you're doing that already that um, we, we've become more and more convinced that if you care about Indonesia and India and China and uh, Thailand and anywhere else, it's gonna come back to Lubbock. And I had a missionary friend of mine that I was sending some people to a long time ago, back when I did college ministry that Clayton mentioned, that said, hey, quit sending me people because the people you send me, um, they, they love to fight about the Bible and read theology books, but they don't know how to share their faith and they're not very consistent in their devotional life and they're not great teammates and all that kind of thing, is that one thing I've learned is us being like vibrantly walking with Jesus here and even sharing our faith with our friends around us is actually going to be the fertile soil that we send people uh, to some of these places. That's actually, they're just gonna go do there what they've already been doing here and they've just gotta learn language and they gotta learn the culture, which is not, no small thing. They're gonna have to be supported to go do it. Uh, but I do wonder if God may be raising some of you up to go, you know, that you're sharing your faith with your neighbors, and if there's something stirring in you to be like, man, I would love to make a gospel beachhead like the whole Bible is making a case for of the redemption of all nations and all peoples. I wonder if God may be raising me up to go so that people in these faraway places that have never even met a Christian, I would love to be the Christian they may meet. I would love to all the time be sharing my faith with them And y'all, I've heard some stories on this. There's actually a couple of single women that some of you here would have a connection with um, that are in Southeast Asia that I just got an email from one of them that what they're doing is they're going out to these little villages um, in this country in Southeast Asia, and they are equipping the people there, the handful of Christians to share their faith, equipping them, mobilizing them to share. And there are people coming to faith and even very early stage churches forming in the middle of nowhere that are not historically Christian at all. And now there are people coming to Christ. I'll tell you another one. Um, I was with a lot of our goers. In fact, I hated to miss the prayer night for um, Clayton and Darby and their family. Um, we we're with all of our goers worldwide met in Europe together, um, along with people from the stone in the village. And I, some of our goers, I don't know as well. And so that was one of the reasons I went there. Some of them I've known for years. And one of them, listen to this. She's newly married. And listen to what her life looks like is um, they go share the gospel in a, uh, in a place in North Africa, all right, where they live. And it's so dangerous that they have armed guards that, um, that like stay with them overnight at their house, all right? And this 20-something woman and her husband, go out to go share the good news with their friends and neighbors um, every single day and entrust their lives to God so that people would know Jesus and they come home and sleep in their beds with a couple of dudes outside with guns to protect them so they don't make an easy target and that Jesus is so worthy to them. I mean, let, let that just sink in for a minute. So valuable and that there's no other hope for humanity. They're like, yeah, we're willing, we're willing within reason. Um, you know, we're gonna take the precautions and all those things. That's why the security guards are there because Jesus is so valuable. I wonder if some of you, you might need, not need to go where there's uh, armed guards and all that, uh, but if some of us might be like, man, I'm in, um, even if it costs my life, even if it costs my future and not getting equity on a home that I'm building into here, Jesus is so valuable. I want people to know and um, I wonder if God might be raising us up. And point number three is I'm basically just combining points one and two. Your trusting of Jesus right now has implications with God's global mission. And here's what I mean, is that my hunch is, is that if you're just chasing dollar bills right now, and if you're just the internet uh, tough guy about politics right now, and if you're um, you know, continuing on that adulterous relationship and um, you know, giving in to lust regularly and whatever, I mean, all these other salvation stories, all in on your, your kids' sports are your religion, yeah, functionally. They are your functional savior. You probably are not um, gonna be super fired up about living with an armed guard in North Africa. I'm just gonna throw that out there, you know what I mean? And um, you probably are not gonna be all that fired up, honestly, about sharing your faith with your friends and neighbors that you run uh, life with. And so here's the thing this is where personally us doing business with the Lord and coming to a sense of Jesus is better. And all my hope is there on Jesus. And I want to, I want to believe in that salvation story. I want to put all of my eggs in that basket. All my chips are to the middle on Jesus crucified and resurrected. And if that's true, then we're going to be much more likely to engage the global mission that God is inviting us into with our friends, with our neighbors. If any of this stirs on even the going and the sending component, come talk to Barry. Um, The dude that was on the video screen, what was his name? Jacob. Go talk to him that I think that that's what his role is and they will help you. But more than anything, if you're like, I don't know if that's me or not right now, for sure what is you is believing in Jesus deeply because it's better and truer and it will never leave you empty. Ever by trusting in Christ. So I'm gonna pray that this would be true in all of us, that there'd be just a deep sense of hope and trust in Jesus and something catalytic that would form maybe even between our two churches, uh, but certainly in the lives of uh, members of City Church. And I'm so glad you're here and watching online. Lord, would you do something beautiful in the lives of your people? Um, stir us, awaken us, and um, even send us that you would raise up people to go, um, that you would be so valuable to us that even risk and financial hardship would be worth it and that nothing would be more valuable and beautiful. And even, Lord, help us to not settle for far inferior pleasures and loves that um, the beauty and the grace of Jesus would be the
1: most valuable and beautiful thing. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, thank you so much, Dusty. Would y'all help me thank him for coming and sharing? Hey, I wanna give you a few next steps and Dusty kind of gave you some direction on some of those next steps. But first of all, if you're here and as Dusty was sharing uh, God's plan of redemption, you're like, man, I've been trusting in another way. I've been trusting in myself and my own uh, righteous works and my own religiosity, whatever. I've been trusting in another way to be right with God and to experience that, that redemption and that restoration that, that Dusty was talking about. And you're like, man, I wanna I want to turn from my way and my story and the story that I've been believing in and believe in the story of redemption through Christ alone. If that's you and you're here and you're like, man, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus, here's what you do. You, you take out that connect card that's in the seat back in front of you, fill it out and check that box that says you're committing your life to Christ. And then you take it to our welcome center in our lobbying we've got a team there that wants to pray with you and celebrate that decision with you and then help you uh, point you in the in the right direction uh, from that decision so that's first secondly if you're here, and like Dusty was talking about, man, God's just stirring your, your heart about sharing the gospel with your uh, family members, friends, coworkers, and, and, and neighbors. We, we did a whole series on that to start this year uh, to become gospel fluid and then challenged you to, to possibly sign up for a class called Discover where you could get further training. We've got, uh, Barry, Jacob, what, 50 people in that class right now uh, that are learning how to share their story, learning how to share the gospel and learning about what God is doing among the nations right now. And maybe you're like, hey, hey, I, I didn't sign up, but but God was stirring me in that series, he, he is today. I'm not really sure what I need to do. Here, here's what you do. You can talk to Barry, Jacob after the service. You can also, again, fill out that connect form in the seat back in front of you and check a box. that says you wanna know more about missions or mission trips. You can go on our app, there's an online connect form and there's a box there for sure that says, I wanna know more about missions ministry. That's on our connect form on our app. So go fill out that form, and Barry and Jacob will be in touch with you about whether that's mission trips, that's a great next step to go on if God's stirring your heart right now. About the peoples of the earth knowing who Jesus is, that's a great next step, go on a mission trip. But you fill out that form, fill out that card, talk with Barry, talk with Jacob, and they'll point you in the right direction from there. But as Dusty said, if you've been here for very long, you know that our church has a heart to make disciples. We, we call it both here, that's among our family members, friends, coworkers, and neighbors, and there, and there is unreached people groups like Dusty was talking about today. That's, that's the heartbeat of our church. One of our values, our city seven core values is here and there, making disciples here, but then sending people from our church There And right now, in that mobilization process, that's what we call it, mobilizing people from here to there, from Lubbock to the nations, from Lubbock to unreached people groups, we've got some people that are in some small groups right now walking through that process. What, about 15, something like that, going through that process, and 12 in mobilization right now from our church that are being equipped and prepared, and they are praying about what it would look like to go to an unreached people group. And our, our dream, we've said it over and over and over, again. cards are on the table, is to send people here from our church, from here to there, to unreached people groups. And Dusty brought up this idea this morning about us kind of partnering together and having teams of people go together. I know Barry and Jake have been working with some of the staff from Redeemer in, in that effort. And the answer is yes. The, the, I mean, that's an obvious, uh, obvious answer that we want to work together with other like-minded churches to form teams to go from here to there. So I'm so, so thankful that Dusty could be here this morning and challenge us. They, they've got teams right now from Redeemer, from Lubbock, all over the world right now and among unreached people groups. And I, man, I dream for that for our church as well. And to partner with them in that uh, is going to be incredible. Our heart here, I've said this over and over and over again, is not just to play church, to go through the routine of church, to give you a place to kind of show up and attend and be entertained, but it's to be disciples of Jesus. To take the mission of Jesus seriously. So that's what today has been all about. So let's let's pray and just ask God to plant that in our hearts and for there to be fruit from that tangible, real fruit that comes from today and that comes from this vision that God has given our church. God, we we come before you right now just asking God that you would do a mighty, just supernatural work in us, in our church, through our church. God, we don't wanna just kind of fall into regular American Christianity. God, I'm praying that right now your spirit would be stirring us, stirring our hearts, stirring the collective heart of our church. God, to be a part of the mission of Jesus among the nations. God, that we would be willing, like Dusty talked about that, that young couple, that we, that we would be willing to put it all on the table, that, that we would be willing to take up our cross. God, even, even literally, God, be willing to, to lay aside our lives, God, for the name and fame of Jesus. I just think about that couple right now, probably either asleep or going to bed here soon with those armed guards. God, thank you for their faith. Thank you for their love for Jesus. I pray that would stir us, God, to love and to follow Jesus with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And God, would you use our church? Would you raise up people from among this church? God, that will go that will go from here to there. And God, would you raise up people in our church that will send them. God, that we might be a church that, just like those disciples in Acts are turning the world upside down. God, I pray they'll be true of us. It's in your name we pray, amen. Would you stand as our team leads us in worship?